Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today as we study Isaiah 24, 1-3, we're going to see God's justice in all, for all. So today's readings are going to come from the ESV, uh, and we are going to read the passage, but before we do that, I would like to give an overview of chapters 24-27. through 27. Uh, As we've been studying through chapters 13 to 23, we went at a pretty fast pace. We generally did one chapter a episode, and that was because I wanted to keep a pretty fast pace going through there because the way Isaiah wrote that was each oracle would be against a particular nation. However, with this section, 24 to 27, he writes it a little bit differently. And so we're going to be able to unpack it in a lot more detail. And so I'm looking forward to spending more time in this section. So that's why I want to give an overview beforehand. So um, I really think we are getting into a juicy section of Isaiah. We're coming across some really good readings. In chapter 25, I think it's 25, we see that death is swallowed up forever. We come across some really well-known passages in Isaiah 24, whereas in chapters 13 through 23, we did not have as many of those well-known passages. However, as we saw, chapters 13 through 23 were actually very beneficial for us. So, I am excited for this passage. So, John Oswalt, in his commentary on Isaiah 1 through 39, said this, the overriding theme of the segment is the triumph of God, not only over his enemies, but for his people. So what he's getting at there is that we see the triumph of God. We see him winning. We saw the nations before losing, but now we're going to focus on God. The focus before had God in it a lot. I mean, obviously, it's the Bible. You know, God is the main character. Um, However, now we're really focusing on God. And we are also seeing his triumph for his people, as Oswald pointed out. So this section of Isaiah is, is pretty debated, actually, because of the genre. So this doesn't seem super important. You might think, well, it's puppetry. I mean, that's at least what I thought. However, we need to understand what is eschatology and what is apocalyptic writing. So eschatology is generally more specific prophecy. And apocalyptic writing is much more broad, but it uses more vivid language. So among faithful Bible interpreters, the difference isn't a literal view or a liberal view Rather, it's a question of style. So it wouldn't be false if Isaiah exaggerated using an apocalyptic writing style. So we need to understand, like, the difference. For example, think of pictures. In art, it's okay if there's exaggeration. We're not saying that the writer or that the artist is doing something false. However, if you wanted pictures from a crime scene... If the pictures were exaggerated, then you would say that there's deception there. Or if a company makes a product look bigger than it is, that would be deception. However, if it were art, then it wouldn't be deception. So that's really what this 
debate is over. Is Isaiah writing from a view that is eschatological, where he wants us like sort of like Revelation, where this is how it's going to be? Or is it apocalyptic, where it's painting a pretty broad picture, like there's going to be judgment? And he just, Isaiah just wants us to see God's power. So my view is that this is more, leans towards eschatology. So some, like Oswald, hold this view. Others, like Jeffrey Grogan in the Expositor's Bible Commentary, hold to a view that this section is on the border of eschatology and apocalyptic writing. And then some hold to a view that this section is purely apocalyptic in order to not deny that Isaiah wrote this section. So we need to be careful for that. We need to watch out for those who want to hold to a more apocalyptic view in order to deny Isaiah's writing this book. So my view is that this is an eschatological writing, that this is more specific than what Isaiah is doing here, is prophesying, not just painting an apocalyptic picture. So we need to realize, as the overarching theme of this passage, is that God is in control over nations. Isaiah is prophesying about God's future control and judgment of the earth, and he's also prophesying about his redemption of his people. To paraphrase John Oswald, God doesn't react to nations. Nations react to God. That's what we're going to see here. We're going to see that the nations aren't going to be on the offense. Rather, they will be on the unsuccessful defense. And we need to realize that the God we serve doesn't play on the defensive. Rather, he is our defense. So the next point that I want us to see, this is going to come from Isaiah 24, 1-3. And this is that God's wrath is on everyone who doesn't have Jesus. So I want to read the passage today pretty quickly. It's only three verses. And it says, quote, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the slave, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender. So with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. So the earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word. So let's break down my main point. God's wrath is on everyone who doesn't have Jesus. First, let's look at God's wrath. So God said in Isaiah that the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate. God, in the end times, will judge the earth and purge away the evil from it. And we realize from this that God cannot tolerate sin forever. While he is patient with sinners and lets them live for a time, eventually they will have to pay for their sins. And this is something that as believers we shouldn't hide. Now, obviously, we shouldn't go around beating people with the head on this and like this be the only thing we talk about because in the gospel we realize that God's wrath isn't the only subject, but we also can't shy away from this. We can't hide this and say, well, you know, it's okay. God, God's forgiving, you know, just because you didn't necessarily believe in him, you know, 
That's what we can't do. Isaiah doesn't do that. Isaiah's not like, well, there, you know, there are a lot of roads to heaven. It's okay. Rather, Isaiah says that everyone is subject to God's wrath. The slave, the master, the maid, the mistress, the buyer, the seller, from the highest to the lowest. That leads to what I want to look at next, that this wrath is on everyone. God's wrath has no discrimination. No matter how great the person, he will have to pay for his sins. And no matter how low the person, he will have to pay for his sins. No matter how good you think you are, apart from Christ, you will pay for your sins. There's no, there's no shortcuts. You either have Jesus to pay for your sins or you pay for your sins. And the only way that we can pay for our sins is spending eternity in separation from God. So, finally, let's look at the end of our main point, everyone who doesn't have Jesus. So, apart from Jesus, everyone has to face the wrath of God. However, with Jesus, we don't have to face that wrath because Jesus already did it. He faced the full wrath of God on the cross. Jesus took on God's wrath to offer us salvation. 1 John, we had been studying that. It says that Jesus is the propitiation for not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. What does John mean there? He means that Jesus didn't just offer salvation to those who would believe. He offered it to the whole world. He didn't need to. That is a crazy love. Think of your worst enemy. Imagine offering them salvation. That is a foreign concept to us. We don't offer nice things to those we don't like. But God didn't just offer a nice thing. He offered eternity with him. That's crazy. But that is the God we serve. That is his love. So rather than running from God's powerful hand of judgment, let us run to it and plead for mercy because of Jesus' blood. Not because we're good people, but rather because Jesus is the only good man to ever live on this earth. So in conclusion, as we study Isaiah 24-27, we need to watch for themes of God's power and control over nations and his care for his people. And we also need to realize from Isaiah 24, 1-3, that God will justly punish all the earth. But we can have the salvation from that wrath through Jesus Christ alone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, adoptedbelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers.